For the next three weeks, uh, there are bishops from all across the world gathered in Rome for a special synod on the family. And as we all know, marriage and family life are very much broken realities in the culture we live in. Divorce in our culture is much more common than it was at the time Jesus was uh, speaking against it 2,000 years ago. Now, I've been in the parish here for eight years, and I've never actually directly spoken about divorce, and so I think uh, I need to do so today um, to actually comment on what our Lord said. And I want to reaffirm a few points. Firstly, that the Lord meant what he said, that remarriage after divorce is adultery. Second, that the church as a consequence, says that somebody in such a second marriage has barred themselves from receiving Holy Communion. And that this is necessary, holding to this is necessary, if there's going to be a a commitment, a stable environment for children, where children can be secure to be raised. And lastly, that even with the hardness, the difficulty of this commitment, Marriage is still a goal worth pursuing. Now I want to start uh, by turning back to our first reading from Genesis. In that text we heard that it is not good for man to be alone. Now those words indicate a desire that is within all of us, a desire written into our nature to not be alone, to find union. And that union is satisfied in many different ways. We find it satisfied in intimacy with the Lord in prayer. We find it satisfied in friendship. But it finds its particular fulfillment in the physical completion that is that exclusive loving union that is marriage. And so we heard in our gospel the Lord Jesus quoting from this very passage of Genesis about how a husband and wife together become one body. Now love, the nature of love is to give of ourselves to others. And whenever we're loving, we are giving of ourselves, whether it's of our time, our our energy, or anything else. But marriage is that particular, complete self-gift to another person. A self-gift that is so complete that it is for life. And this mutual self-gift of the husband and wife to each other brings with it, with this commitment, with this total self-gift, a whole package of joys and securities that can't be found in anything else. But once you've given yourself to your spouse, you can't take back that gift. If your wife then becomes sick, she's still your wife. You've still given yourself to her. If she becomes poor, she's still your wife. You've still given yourself to her. If she's unfaithful to you, she's still your wife. You've still given yourself to her. And even if she abandons you, 
you've still given yourself to her. Now, it's true that there are many reasons when it's necessary, right, for a couple to separate, either temporarily or even permanently. And often there's an innocent party left behind with much suffering. But even if you separate and civilly divorce so that in the eyes of the government you are no longer married, in the eyes of God you remain married. You remain what you said. As Pope Francis said just last week, there's no such thing as Catholic divorce. And if we look at what the Bible tells us, someone who is separated from their spouse, uh, how they are to live, Um, As I've quoted in the insert sheet in your newsletter, it's very explicit that someone who is separated from their spouse is called to remain single or else be reconciled to your spouse. That even if you're separated and civilly divorced, you're not then free to marry somebody else. If you've given yourself to your spouse, you can't take that gift back and give yourself to somebody else in the future. You're not free to commit yourself to a new spouse because you are already committed in your marriage. If you've said till death do us part to one woman, you're not free to say that to another woman while while she still lives. And so Jesus said, as we heard in that text, The man who divorces his wife and marries another is guilty of adultery. And so the church following that says that a person who remarries while their first spouse is still alive commits a public act that bars them from receiving Holy Communion until such time as they amend that aspect of their life. Well, how shall I conclude? Well, by acknowledging that this is a very hard teaching, that the call for someone divorced and remarried to remain single is a hard teaching. And every walk of life has a a cross to carry that is part of it, but this can be a, a really hard cross. But we need also to say that the romantic union in marriage or a second marriage isn't the only way to satisfy this desire within us to not be alone. And that faithfulness to God and faithfulness to the vows we make at the altar in marriage, that faithfulness to that is rewarded by the Lord, that he does give grace and strength to live that out, rewarded in this life as well as in the life to come. And finally, perhaps what it really comes down to is that the good of marriage, the joys of marriage, are only possible if we hold fast to this hard teaching. That if we water it down the way so many in our culture today would have the church do, that would say to the church, well, get with the times and make, the church, make marriage a more 
flexible things so you can have, as Henry VIII had, multiple wives. If you don't, such a union that isn't claiming to be for life is a union that is something much less than marriage. It wouldn't really be the one-body union that the Lord speaks of. And so in abandoning that, we'd be abandoning the good of marriage, the beauty of marriage, all the joys that are possible by holding on to that, as well as abandoning the forming of a, state, a safe and stable environment in which to raise children. And so the church tells us that what the Lord Jesus said in this text, that if a man remarries, divorces his wife and marries another, he commits adultery, that what the Lord said, he meant.